Well, I am super excited to be here. I um, I have been looking forward to coming, and um, I en- I've enjoyed the times that I've been at your church. I've prayed for your church, for the people of your church. Um, and one of the things that, um, from the first time that my husband and I visited um, Rachel and Jason and, and visited your church, we could see that you're a group of people who love God and who love his word. And honestly, it doesn't get better than that. And so um, I really have been looking forward to this opportunity. As, um, man, as the worship team was singing and all of the great scripture that they had up on the PowerPoint, I mean, God's word has a whole lot to say about joy and um, rejoicing. And that is our, our verse that we're Focusing on this weekend, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And tonight we're going to kind of be looking at the um, difference between rejoice and joy and happiness. And uh, and when we when the verse says rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. We need to understand that it isn't some sort of um, craziness about rejoicing. When Rachel was a little girl, she had a doll that giggled. And if you squeezed it, you know, it'd go, <laughs> Well, my husband's favorite thing to do with that doll was drop kick it against a wall, and it would hit the wall and fall down and be like, <laughs> That's not what we're talking about when we say rejoice in the Lord always. We're not saying you ignore what's happening in your life, that you're oblivious to pain or hurt or sorrow or any of those things. It's not the ever-ready bunny of joy. It's none of those things, really. It, It really has to do with a very foundational thing that we've already been singing about, and that is that you have a relationship with the Lord, that you know him. And and I'll just tell you from the get-go, none of this is going to make sense in your life if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the bottom line. That's the only way it's ever possible to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Um, My testimony of coming to faith in Christ is that um, I was born the second daughter of a family of four girls. Um, My father was a pastor, and when I was two years old, he planted the church that he retired from 38 years later. And so um, our family grew up in the church. I mean, I, I that was back in the day when there was church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, and then, you know, then we had week-long things where you were there every night. I was at the church all the time. And the most natural thing for me was to understand that God loved me, that he um, had sent his son to die for me, and, I, and, and it was a very natural acceptance of what God was doing. A few years back, my daughter-in-law, my son's wife, um, gave me a book called A Severe Mercy, and it's um, a story of a man and his wife who were very into themselves and into their love for one another. 
And um, the wife actually became a Christian, and, there, and it turned their world upside down when she became a believer. And the husband be- became a believer. And they actually were friends of C.S. Lewis. And a severe mercy is a lot about their years of just kind of indulging themselves in their own love for themselves and each other. But then when the wife gets cancer and she eventually dies, not to ruin the book, <laughs> the husband considers giving up on God. And it so struck me, that thought of giving up on God. And basically, he, there's these great um, letters that he writes back and forth with C.S. Lewis. But basically coming to a, a realization that he couldn't do it, that he couldn't turn away from God and what God, who God was and what he had done in his life. At our church, every now and then, we have what we call a um, coffee house Sunday. And we set up our um, worship center with tables and chairs, and people sit around tables. And um, it's kind of a different, more casual format. And um, we have a discussion question that people at their tables will talk about. And my husband will give his message, and then there's some more discussion. There was a very simple question that was asked a while back. And it was simply this. How is your life different Because of knowing Christ. You know, that's kind of a simple question. That day, it struck me so powerfully that my life is completely different because of knowing Christ. That my motivation for what I do, the person that I want to be, the things that I value, the way that I care for others, they all come down to the same thing, and that is that I know Christ, and I'm a child of God. And how important that very foundation is. And realizing that my life is completely different, the world is completely different because Christ came. So happiness is different than rejoicing because rejoicing is founded on the Lord. Happiness is really future oriented. It put, it puts all the eggs in someone else's basket. It's dependent on outside situations, people or events to align with what we're expecting will happen. So that at the end, we're all happy, but Happiness is not joy, because joy is not external. It can't be bought. It can't be arranged. It's not conditional. It doesn't have anything to do with what somebody else's behavior is like, what our circumstances are like. When you need nothing more in your life than the love of a good God, which you do have, then you have abiding joy. And nothing can rock that joy because nothing can rock God. I think sometimes there's things that are going on that should rock him. Like what in the world? But it's not true. It doesn't doesn't throw him off. He doesn't ever say, Joyce, what are you doing? Oh my goodness. Okay, now she's done it. I don't know what to do about this. (laughs) 
Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. I love that statement. Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm just going to share some of how God has shown me the difference between happiness and joy. My husband, Bob, and I have been married for 43 years, (laughs) almost. Um, When Bob... It's so funny. We live in Pasadena now, and we actually... I mean, neither of us lived in Pasadena, but he actually asked me to marry him on a hilltop in Pasadena, looking at Christmas lights. And he hemmed and hawed around to ask me, and then... But he never asked a question, just like, you know, like, well, I, I believe I really love you, and I'd like to spend my life with you, and, <laughs> and then he just looks at me and says, what's your answer? I said, well, what's your question? <laughs> oh, will you marry me? <laughs> Which I said yes to, and, um, and we had... A lot of happiness. But you know, I realized that I, when I, what I had joy about was that I realized God had a plan. He had a great plan. He's a great man that I married. And I can, I could acknowledge that God had put his plan in place. That he was doing something really bigger than the plans that Bob and I had. Um, and you know, any of you who have been married for a long time, you know, man, what a flimsy love that was. <laughs> when we got married, oh my word. <laughs> I mean, it was. And yet, God, God had a plan. And he's built that love. And he's strengthened that love. We, um, we have five children. We had five children in seven years. And you know, I experienced great happiness when each of them was born. They were... Every single one of them, beautiful. Now, it was really kind of funny because when Rachel was born, I'm not picking on you, but sort of I am. But when Rachel was born, (laughs) the same, like the day after I came home from the hospital with her, Bob came in with the LA Times and he said, Joyce, do you want to see the ugliest baby ever born? What? And he shows me this baby in an incubator, little diaper on, and I... It was the ugliest baby I have ever seen. I was, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. And then, come to find out, it was a chimpanzee baby that was born at the L.A. Zoo. But you know, they're not hairy. Like, they're kind of hairy and really ugly. Bob cut that picture out of the newspaper and carried it in his wallet. So that when people said, oh, I heard you had a baby. Oh, I did. She was in the paper. What do you say to that? Every baby is not beautiful. There was great happiness with the birth of our children. But joy is when I see God has a plan. And he's doing his best for us. When our daughter Molly, who's our fifth, was going to be born... My husband and I are driving to the hospital, and he turned to me and he said, are you excited? And I said, nope. And he says, me neither. (laughs) 
I was number five. I mean, really? Come on. But, you know, it's really cool because I have a Bible study that I was doing at the time when she was maybe six months old. And you, in the Bible study, you're supposed to write something about each of your children. And when I wrote Molly's name down, I wrote, God's sign to me that he knows best. God knew exactly what he was doing, giving us every single one of those wonderful five children. And so after years of being a youth pastor and then a pastor, we moved to Austria. And we ministered in Eastern Europe. And our, our daughter, Brianna, who was six, I think, at the time that we moved, she, I, I will never forget us, you know, saying goodbye to all of our family, our friends from our church at the airport. And we, and, and you had to walk down this long concourse to where you caught the plane and everybody else was, you'd already said goodbye to. And we were all crying. You know, we were leaving our family and our friends. And Brianna had run ahead. And she turns around, just puts her hands on her hips and says, what is wrong with you? We are going on the greatest adventure of our lives. <laughs> and she was right. We were going on a fabulous adventure. And we experienced a lot of happiness. But we also saw joy. When, for me, it was the desire of my heart. When I was a little girl, and people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say I either wanted to be an ice cream lady, like Jackie, the ice cream lady in my neighborhood who drove the little ice cream truck around and rang the bell, <laughs> or I wanted to be a missionary. I, I kind of gave up the ice cream lady thing, but when I married Bob and he was a pastor, I thought, well, you know, you're a missionary wherever you are, which I believe as well. But God gave me even an extra because we got to be missionaries. We got to go across the ocean to another place and, um, and see God at work. And then after eight years of living in Austria, we moved to Pasadena to plant a church. And if you've ever been part of a church, which I assume most of you are, you know church is not always easy. Church is not always easy. And, um, and yet God brought us back to Pasadena to plant a church. And, while, and when we came back, four of our five children married. We have 14 wonderful grandchildren. And we have a church that has had ups and downs, good times and bad times, struggles, things that have been difficult, things that have been fabulous. And, you know, for a long time in, the, in some years that we were really struggling as a church, I kept trying to figure it out. I kept trying to figure it out. Was it us? Was it my husband and I? Was it somebody in our church? Was there sin in the camp? Was there, what was it? Why was, the, why was this struggle so, so difficult? And then, and I can remember a particular Sunday where people started coming. I can remember, I was the, I'm the sound person at our church that turns the slides and stuff. And I just started seeing these people coming in. And I can remember standing there in tears and saying, well, what's this about? All these new people. 
And you know what? I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure that out either. I couldn't figure out why all of a sudden people were coming. I couldn't figure out why people were staying. I, 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 I couldn't make sense out of it until it really came down to, hmm, God must be in charge. God is sovereign, and he was doing it. And I couldn't figure it out when it wasn't going like I thought it should, and I couldn't figure it out when it was going better than I expected it to. And it came down to realizing, God, you are in charge. You are in charge of this church. You're in charge of my life. And there is real peace and joy in that. I spent a lot of time frustrated and worried and and trying to manipulate it and make it work. And it came down to, you know what? I can have joy because I don't have to do that. I can allow God to be God. And come to a point where I realized it's really about him. He's working in people's lives. I have been so excited over this last year. Not about just that people are coming, but what God is doing in people's lives. Absolute transformation in who they understand God to be and, and the effect that that's having on on their lives and on their families' lives and on their friends' lives. And um, seeing God transform people. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's the best. And recognizing that it's not my deal. It's God's. So the thing is, I am joyful. And it's not because of the circumstances. It's because I have the Lord. And he's living and alive and he's active in my life. He's doing stuff all the time. He's daily changing me. He's working when I don't know that he's working. He's doing things that I can't even imagine are coming my way. I see him at work in my own life. I see him at work in the lives of those I care about and love. I see him at work in the lives of people that I don't even personally know, but I know that he's doing things. And these are the important foundational truths about joy. Joy often produces happiness, but not the other way around. If we're willing to give up that search for happiness... We're in a position to find joy. And Christian joy doesn't come with our circumstances anyway. It's predicated completely on our relationship with the Lord. And it's an abiding, deeply spiritual quality of life. And the truth is, Joy finds its expression in rejoicing, which is an imperative. It's a command. It's not an option. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Get in there and clean up that room. I'm saying get in there and clean up that room. That's not an option. I'm saying rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. And I've recognized that we need to teach ourselves to rejoice. Teaching yourself to rejoice is a health enhancer. 
that advances in medical technology, the way that they can read the brain and learn about human physiology and our psyche, it tells us that our negative and positive emotions have a definite medical effect on us. We have three primary negative emotions, fear, anger, and sadness. And any one of those three that's, that we bear for a long period of time begins to have really devastating effects on our bodies when it goes on and on. But on the other hand, we have two primary positive emotions, joy and excitement. And they are like medicine to the body. And science is telling us this more and more often. And so we need to be teaching ourselves to be joyful. Happiness is an emotion that we automatically get. You know, you, you do something that's really fun and you're happy and it just kind of comes. You don't say, well, now I think I'll be happy. It's spontaneous. And it's usually brought on by some sort of circumstances in our life. But joy is not automatic. We have to teach ourselves. We have to develop it. We have to do it as if we were trying to physically get fit. We need to get joyfully fit. We need to be practicing it. Paul calls joy one of the fruits of the Spirit. Because... We can't have joy until we have a spiritual life. It's born out of that relationship that we have with God when he gives us his spirit. And it's, it's a joy that we get when we have complete trust in the love of God. And when we have a deep desire to see his will accomplished in our world. No matter what it might cost us to see that will accomplished. It's an attitude that's willing to suffer death, Christ, even death on a cross, if it was deemed necessary. You know, Jesus was not happy on the cross, but I do believe he was joyful. I believe he was joyful because he knew he was doing the work of God. He knew what this death on the cross was going to accomplish. He knew that this was the only way and that it would bring you and me, to a place where we can have a relationship with him. So what does it really mean to rejoice in the Lord? It means that the Lord is our reason for rejoicing. We are grateful and thankful for blessings that the Lord brings into our lives. Having a child, falling in love, falling in love and having that person love us back. <laughs> getting a financial windfall, having things go our way, whatever it is, those are things that we are thankful for and we can see that God has brought them to us. But we rejoice because God is God. And he's the one who blesses and loves us and does what is best always. I've read the end of the book. <laughs> And I know who wins. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. This is an appeal for an optimism of faith. That we would have this 
future-looking attitude that we have an assurance of victory. It's ours. He's already sealed it. Tomorrow we're going to talk more about what it means to rejoice in the Lord and about the fact that, let's be honest, there's obstacles. There's things that stand in our way. I mean, it sounds really good. This is sort of the beginning that we need to be rejoicing in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. But tomorrow we're going to talk about some of those obstacles and how do we get past them? How do we remove them? But I just want to end tonight with one very important thought, and that is this. You have a reason to rejoice. I have a reason to rejoice. You have a reason to rejoice. And we're going to spend the rest of this weekend doing just that.